Keep it rolling. No, let's talk no. About, let's talk about the bugs. <laughs> so you ruined my whole intro. Dan, Ugh. it's all staying in. It's a disaster. Go, go, keep going. Welcome to Joe Picks and the NFL Team. In this podcast, Joe, abandoned by his San Diego Chargers, is evaluating all 32 NFL teams to find out who he should root for next season. In this episode, we take to the high seas to check on the only NFL team <laughs> with a Caribbean-based naval mascot, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Joe, but one of two, but one of two pirate mascots. Who's the other one? Oakland Raiders. Are they pirates? <laughs> Absolutely. Look at he has an eye patch. It's like the yeah. But he's wearing a football helmet. Well, he's a football playing pirate. Yeah. All right, Joe. How are you feeling in the second half of this? I mean, this header? is a very auspicious start. I'm feeling. I'm feeling great. So, Dan, what are we drinking? We are drinking a dark and stormy. This is our drink we are. for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because uh, both this drink and the Buccaneers have their origin in the same place, the Caribbean. The story of the dark and stormy begins in 1806 when James Gosling set sail for America. But after three hard months at sea, Gosling resigned to a new home, parking his ship at a port in St. George, Bermuda. Have we been there? We went somewhere else? Uh, we Saint went Thomas. to St. something. St. Thomas. St. Thomas. Yeah. He devised a recipe for an aged black rum that became very popular. Now, this black rum was, was a hot commodity. And it piqued the interest of the nearby Royal Naval officers, who then mixed it with the ginger beer they'd been brewing to help with seasickness. The combination was delicious. The dark coloring, although, you know, it's up for you to judge, really, but this is what the marketing materials say. The dark coloring, though not quite as appealing as the taste, led a sailor to famously remark it was, quote, the color of a cloud only a fool or a dead man would sail under. The name Dark and Stormy was born. And I, I just learned something new. It cures seasickness. Yeah. So I got, I'm practically taking medicine here. It's great. <laughs> Definitely. Every day. Tasty and functional. Now, legal note, legal note. The Gosling Brothers Rum Company has a trademark on the name Dark and Stormy. Uh, so in order to be an official Dark and Stormy, you need to be using Gosling's uh, Dark Age Rum, which I am not. So I am only calling not. mine a drink in the vein of a Dark and Stormy. I'm going to call mine a dark and uh, stormy-ish. <laughs> Very nice, <laughs> got to keep going into The that. legal department. <laughs> gives, the legal gives department a thumbs approves. up on that. Okay, okay. Into the mailbag, popping it open. As uh, we saw in the first half, our doubleheader was already overflowing. So the um, the overflow material has, has come into this episode. The stuff that was not good enough to make the primary part, but... Um, I mean, we had some really good stuff in that first mailbag, so... No, you're not going to compete with that. But um, no. hey, for all of you listening right now, if you have uh, feedback about uh, either of these two episodes or the teams we're discussing next week, which we're going to figure out at the end of this podcast, but we'll also post on the website, joepixpod.com. Send us your uh, emails at nfl at joepixpod.com. Uh, you said you had advertised our podcast episodes on reddit and i yeah. believe we've gotten so our really first mailbag decision. from a reddit rando who says his name is kyle all right kyle and he said i listen to your podcast for the first time yes i listen to your podcast not listened Already. well yeah i mean it's 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 active he's yeah. not, it's not past tense he's doing it right now i listened to your podcast for the first time and started on the browns episode 
The lack of basic knowledge of the team made it very hard to listen to. I hope you guys do better research on future episodes. Harsh. Harsh, Directed Kyle. Directed right at me. Harsh, Kyle. Uh, but, you know, I, I feel like you did a lot of research for the... I mean, certainly, it is true, Kyle. I do absolutely no research. And furthermore, guarantee I forget everything I learn in these episodes the minute they are done. Look, if if Kyle wants me to break down how I think Jamie Collins is not being utilized properly in the Browns 4-3 defense, he should let ask me. That's not what this podcast is about. We're not talking about football. We're talking about football franchises, which is much more. I mean, if you're a team of a fran or a fan of a franchise, the the players I was rooting for 10 years ago are gone in the in the Washington right. Football yeah. Club. The coaches are gone. Everything's new, right. but I still root taking for a long-term historical view. I of still the team. root for the franchise because there are things about the franchise that won't change. The history, the fans. In fact, one could argue the fans are what makes a franchise. The owners change, the stadiums mm-hmm. change, everything changes, mm-hmm. but the fans and these sort of basic things we're looking at. I mean, we are looking at the performance of the team, but we're also we're really looking at so much more. So, Kyle, since I'm going to take the high road here, I'm not going to insult you, except for you should do a little better with your grammar. But thank you. Thank you for listening, Kyle. Maybe Kyle should do a little bit more research before he emails us next time. (laughs) Go back on that Reddit thread and find Kyle and reply to him. (laughs) But seriously, if you are listening out there and you are a Kyle, please send us email. This is is our first mailbag from a a person that uh, Joe and I don't know. Unless, Joe, you are friends with this guy, which I think is unlikely. And uh, it was great. We appreciated it. Even negative feedback. Yeah, especially negative feedback. No no negative feedback can be worse than what my wife and Dan's sister has said about this podcast. <laughs> Nothing you say can pierce that armor. Well, Megan has a mailbag, but she wouldn't email. But she said, I like the podcast, but you guys talk too much about football. So <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do about that. I told her to wait for Joe Picks a Sandwich. She's going to love that Joe one. Picks a Sandwich season two. Yeah. It's what the people are asking for. I know. And now I can get into this little rant. There are all these podcasts that come out and it's like season one, season two, where they do like 10, 30 minute podcasts per year. That's not a podcast. A podcast, I want an hour of content every week on average, or you can't even call it a podcast. Otherwise, it's like, it's like an audio novel or something. Yeah. I mean... There should be like the the podcast version of that, like a different word for it. Like you have TV shows and you also yeah, have yeah. miniseries and you have movies. Yeah. You have three different categories that are, you know, largely distinguished by length. They're like distribution plays into that too. But, but it's like, like a sitcom. They'll do like Big Bang Theories banging out 25 episodes a year or whatever. Right. But you wouldn't call, you know, five hours of TV. You wouldn't call that a show. You'd call that a mini. A, a miniseries, yeah. right? And same with these podcasts. You wouldn't call five, five half-hour episodes, five-hour-long episodes even a podcast. It's, it should have a different name. I mean, we're going to do, by the end of this, 32 hours. Yeah. You know, it's grueling, man. That's a podcast. No, a, we are yeah. podcasters. Those other jerks are not. Okay. Second mailbag. Well, first, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll read one from your wife. She she did email. She actually emailed multiple times. <laughs> my, but, wife, um, my wife emailed multiple times? Yeah, but one of her emails was stupid. <laughs> but I will read her second one. This is the less stupid of her two emails, which was, I would like to see Rob join the show. Wow. Wow. But before we get into that, you don't even need to respond because the third 
is from Rob, who's finally, he's emailed in, and Rob has sent a long list of points and ideas and thoughts. And I'll tell you, some of them are stupid, some of them are good. Would you describe his general demeanor as as dickish? Well, you, you... Our viewers can be, our listeners can judge for themselves. (laughs) All right. From Rob. Hey, guys. Okay, I've got a list of thoughts that I had while listening to the podcast. I got to say, I'm disappointed not to have some kind of official role in this thing. He's one of the numbers. Jesus Christ. You can't get more official than that, Rob. I know. He's an idiot. Okay. (laughs) Seems like you guys could stand to have someone who knows the NFL a little better. God, Rob and Kyle. It's like, maybe Kyle was his like uh, alter ego. Kyle is Rob's pseudonym. Yeah, exactly. Anyhow, when discussing the Cowboys' heartbreaks, you forgot the year that the Cowboys lost to the Packers on the Des Bryant catch-no-catch. That was just as heartbreaking. Great point. As somebody who was rooting against the Cowboys, I relished every second of that. I was sitting there saying it wasn't a catch. You know, he he shouldn't have reached for the goal line. You got to complete the catch. Ah, wonderful. Conference nicknames. He says, I was talking about the NFC East, which has two positive thing or as the nfc beast and the nfc least he being an nfc west fanboy said that the nfc west when it's doing badly can also be the nfc less Mm, that's not quite as good yeah yeah i give that i give that three out of ten joe when thinking about the divisions you should also consider when they play most of their games do you want to watch your new team at 10 a.m or 1 p.m i think it's an interesting point that's that, Rob. I, I, you know, I'll give it to Rob when he has a point. That's a good point. Uh, I mean, the answer is uh, both times are terrible for me. I have three children. <laughs> <laughs> See, for me, I would, I would love the one p.m. That would be. It, it is tough sometimes to get to wake up at ten a.m. But I have no children. Yeah, I'm. I'm up by seven. Waiting till one o'clock for football is a pain in the ass. No, I actually. Yeah. I. I actually think it is easier for me to watch the morning games because we're usually like still around the house. We're kind of making breakfast, hanging out. Yeah, that's a good point, Rob. I'll yeah. give it to you. Give one to Where? Rob. Retroactively adjusting ratings, question mark. That must be the whiskey talking. It's a terrible idea and would throw this whole thing into chaos. Yeah, this is a really uh, formal process, Rob. This is very official. <laughs> Introducing chaos into this is going <laughs> to fuck up the whole thing. Definitely. No, look, look, look. And I want to say this the ratings aren't going to be the final decider. It's not like whatever team gets the highest rating is going to be the team that I root for. It's part of the process and it's certainly going to be a factor, but it's not, it's not just a straight mathematical thing. Yeah. Look, that's not the type of guy you are. No. And, and you know, the ratings are doing something interesting. It's a format for evaluating these teams. But the one thing that the, that the ratings don't do, especially because we're rating it one to 10. So it's not letting me go negative 50 on something. Right. But like, it, it doesn't give relative strength to things, right? So like, let's give an example. We talk about the LA Chargers. Maybe I hate Dean Stanos, Dean Spanos so much that instead of being a one or two, that should actually be like a negative 50 because that yeah, should be yeah, basically yeah. like You're a deal disqualifying. Right. And right now we're not doing that. We'll certainly get into that when we pick the final team. I did disallow right you now, to put a negative score. Right. Right now this is just all about are we moving teams forward? And then the points will certainly come in. But now, Joe, since this is already gone, this was going to be our seventh podcast, which is already more than I would have ever predicted we're doing. Could you agree right now to use the point scores as seeding in a single yep. elimination bracket at the end? We take all of the maybes, we seed them, and then we go one on one. We get down to the team you're rooting for. 
That's exactly how I want to do it. I think that that's exactly the way that it should be done. The points matter, but they're really about seeding when it comes to making these final head-to-head decisions. Oh Absolutely. my God, Joe. I love it. Our ratings for that episode are going to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. be amazing. Wow. Okay. Rob continues. <laughs> of course. Well, okay. This is a long email. We're almost done there. Two more points. The stadium demand creep that you blamed on Jerry Jones for was the exact thing was the exact thing that got the Chargers moved in the first place. How can you not hold a grudge against Jerry Jones for this? I I don't agree with that point whatsoever. <laughs> uh, because because this because the Chargers were never trying to get a stadium to match Jerry World. Yeah. They have been trying to get a new stadium from before that stadium was built in Dallas. They would have continued long after. And like the stadium that they were proposing is like a fraction of the size, doesn't have those features. I mean, Dean Spanos is the poorest NFL owner in the league. There's no way he could ever pull anything like that off. So yeah. it's I think this creep was happening long before Jerry Jones. It's it's been why teams have been moving for the last twenty years and has nothing to do with Jerry Jones. Rob. I no, look, I think that point can be made about Kroenke, for sure, with the Rams. I don't think about the Chargers. Yeah. And his final point, uh, I really think I should be the third person in the booth that comments five or six times per pod, but that's up for the executive producers to decide. I'm giving him the absolute thumbs down. As, as the two executive producers of the podcast, we can discuss this offline, but um, I think right here and now we can just say that that's not ever going to happen. Yeah, zero out of 10. Can I give <laughs> negative scores to that? Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe we'll come back and look, change it I later, don't think Rob look, understands the fine art of podcasting. And I'll tell you, as podcast listeners that we are, there's nothing nothing beats a two-person podcast. Three is a crowd. Also, this is just classic Rob Dickishness. Rob is one of 10 categories. Oh, there's only 10 categories. He's 10% of my evaluation Joe, system. there are 12 is categories. <laughs> He's 8% of my evaluation system. Yeah, that's good on the fly. I'm impressed. Dan, you don't even have a... You are the co-host of this podcast. There's no category that's actually related to your opinion about things. I, I send people the website. I'm like, I've got a podcast. Listen to it. And they open up the website. And you're like, they're like, this is Joe's podcast. I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah. I'm an equal part of this <laughs> podcast. I mean, I don't know, equal. I mean, it's 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 called Joe picks an NFL team. <laughs> so are you you're the uh, you're the executive producer. I'm just the executive intern. I'm just saying, if next week, if I were sick and it was like, hey, today it's Dan and Steve on Joe picks an NFL team, that wouldn't make any sense. Well, Joe, I'll just say this: the JoePicksPod.com domain is controlled by yours truly. So, if I'm not if I'm not greenlighting these episodes, they're not posting on this feed with hundreds of subscribers. Joe, all right, let's get going. Fair we enough. don't have 50, time 50. for this. Okay. We don't have time for this. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, and just finally, thank you all for your mailbag entries. It's amazing. Even Kyle, even Rob, we like even, you. even even well, I mean, Kyle, Kyle goes without saying. <laughs> Like Absolutely. Kyle's learned how to be concise. So we'll give Kyle that. You know, Rob still, you can work on that for future episodes. If you've got feedback about anything, send it to NFL at JoePixPod.com. Go to JoePixPod.com. You'll see on there the teams we're doing next if you have any comments about those. Um, but we'll pick those at the end of this episode. So let's get started. Joe, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You don't want a team that's too good or too bad. The Super Bowl odds for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are 40 to 1. Much better than the Jets. Yes. The Jets are third wow. last, so the, the Buccaneers are sort of right in that pre- probably 10th to 15th area. The Buccaneers have won one Super Bowl in the past in 2002 with mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. the great coach John Gruden. In the past 10 years... That was, to go back to our earlier conversation, pirate team versus pirate team. That's true. That's true. That was the pirate ball. And John Gruden had coached the Raiders the year before. He was traded. I mean, imagine this in the modern NFL. The Buccaneers needed a new head coach, so they traded two first-round picks and two second-round picks for John Gruden. They traded... It was worth it. He brought them to the Super Bowl the next year. It was not worth it. A coach is not worth that much. But that's just, if somebody did that today, the fan bases would absolutely, like two first round picks are the most valuable thing you have in the NFL for a coach. I, I mean, Bill Belichick might be worth that, but nobody else. Not even close. But he got them a Super Bowl victory. So you, know, you can't true. second guess it's, it. It's got it. It's got it forever. Uh, past 10 years, top third, middle third, bottom third, win percentage. Bottom third. Playoff wins. Bottom third. Made the playoffs. Bottom third. You nailed it, Joe, 100%. Yes. All right. Ding, 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 ding. Let's stop, let's stop this episode right here. Yeah. Let's stop the whole podcast series right now. <laughs> it's over. Edit in the sound effect. Yes, their win percentage, uh, 39.4%. Bottom third, they've won zero playoff games in the past 10 years. And they made the playoffs once exactly 10 years ago. So they are squarely in the bottom third of the league. But they're in the upward trend, Joe. Uh, they were 9-7 and seven last year. They've got a nice developing young quarterback, Jameis Winston, who's a quarterback I know you're yeah. particularly enamored with, certainly in fantasy. I like him. Yeah. Yeah, I do. And uh, last year, they were 9-7, and seven, which was their best record uh, in five or six years. And in 2014, they won two games. 2015, they won six games. Last year, they won nine games. They're on a nice trend. Hence the 40-1. to one. So, you know, better odds than their, than their history would dictate. What do you think? Not too good, new to it. So the last team that had 40-1 to one odds, I believe, was the uh, Eagles? And you gave them an mm-hmm. eight out of ten. So yeah. Uh, yeah. what do you I think? Mean, the Buccaneers are okay, let's just put to bed. They're certainly not too good. No team with the recent history that they've had can be considered too good. Uh question, are they too bad? Historically, maybe you can say that this is the case. Obviously, they've had a bad decade, but I believe, I think that the odds makers are right that they're pulling out of that, that they're probably a middle of the road team. I would think that maybe, and, and maybe this is just like we talked about before, the NFC East bias, so they get the most attention. I think of them right now as a team in slightly worse shape than the Eagles. Maybe that's not accurate. Uh, so maybe they're a little bit too bad, but uh, but they're close to where the Eagles are. So I'm going to say 7 out of 10. All right, 7 out of 10. No, I think it's a very fair ranking. I mean, they have, I would say much like the Eagles, you know, they've got a really up and coming young quarterback and I, and we'll get to it a little later, but I think they have an interesting core of their team. But now let's jump into the division. NFC South. So the NFC South is four teams, the Bucks, the Falcons, the Saints, and the Panthers. So this, since 2002, they've won two Super Bowls, the Saints in 2009 and the, the Bucks in 2002. They've had five Super Bowl appearances, including twice in the last two years so they had the falcons this year the panthers last year both losers and the panthers yeah. in 2003 when they were uh with jake delone when they were beaten by the patriots the the last five years there's been uh not too much parody 
The Falcons won last year. The Panthers won three years before that, and the Falcons won five years ago. The Bucks last won the division 10 years ago, 2007. And the Saints, uh, and that was also when the Bucks last went to the playoffs, and the Saints went to the playoffs in 2013. So the Saints have been, the Saints, Falcon, and Panthers have all been in the playoffs in the past four years, but it's really, at this point, it's um, the Falcons and the Panthers are really uh, teams on the, you know, at sort of the apex of the NFL. They both made a Super Bowl in the past years. Uh, the Bucks are challenging. The Saints have been uh, pretty bad for the last few years. But have also won a Super Bowl in recent history. I mean, they've been bad for the last few years, but they were pretty good before that. Well, they won the Super Bowl eight years ago. It's a long time ago. I think it's I think it's really cool that there's a division that sent two separate teams to the Super Bowl in the past two seasons. Like that's really cool. Yeah, no, you know, you know, I don't really think that much about the NFC South uh, in my previous life as a Charger fan, but um, this is a pretty good division, actually. Absolutely, I would say the Panthers and the Falcons easily can make the Super Bowl again next year. Absolutely, and the Saints aren't slouches. Like, like at least the Saints play. An exciting kind of like high-flying style yeah, and of course you love drew Brees, and i love drew Brees. yeah i mean this is a good division this is a really solid division you know the bucks might be my least favorite team in the division uh on first blush so that's not great but it's a good division i like i said i don't know how much i like the buccaneers in it but let's say uh seven and a half seven and a half all right that's good that's third best Behind you, you you love the NFC East. You're an NFC East fanboy. Yeah. Does the head coach meet a minimum level of competence? So the head coach is Dirk Cutter, who wrote a world ranked 17th out of 26 and a little excerpts. The Bucks fired Lovey Smith to make then 56-year-old offensive coordinator Dirk Cutter a first-time NFL coach. It was a massive gamble on a man whose previous biggest accomplishment in football was back-to-back Big West titles in 1999 and 2000. At least in 2016, it worked. After a rocky start, Cutter continued to develop Jameis Winston and coaxed a bounce-back campaign from third-year pro Mike Evans. Cutter wasn't Mm. afraid to lead, benching an ineffective Doug Martin, which much to the chagrin of many fantasy owners, down the stretch, even though he was in the first season of a big five-year deal. Most impressive all is the way Cutter's team finished, closing out the year 6-2 and while allowing just 17 points per game. That's interesting. It's interesting that they rated him so low, but really only said very positive things in the write-up there. It's kind of confusing. Um, I like that. I like I like the little info you just gave. I think it's... Well, credit that to Roto World. Dan, excellent writing there. I'm impressed. <laughs> uh, no, I mean... Great if, reporting. If new coaches are at the benchmark of like a 5 out of 10, we've sort of set that as the benchmark. And here you have someone who's a relatively new coach but has a year that I think you would describe as a pretty good first season for a new head coach. Yeah, definitely. I think I think he's at a seven and a seven out of ten. All right, seven out of ten. What? That's the highest thus far. You're big. Dirt. Wait, he's the highest thus far. Yeah, Dirk Cutter wow. fanboy. <laughs> to be honest, though, we haven't really hit any of the. I don't think we've even mm-hmm. hit a coach in the top ten of Roto World's thing, which is very unlikely that we've gotten this far. When we pick the next two random teams, I'm sure it'll be somebody good. Number four, do the players get in trouble with the law in the past five years? How many incidents? Or uh, top third, bottom third, middle third? I'm going to guess middle third. Okay. That's your new just safe guess. But Joe, 
It's by no third, hunch. so it's not like there's any more likely to be middle third. It could be any of the three equally. But at least if I just say the same thing every time, I'm going to get it one third of the time. That's true. They're in the bottom third. They get a lot of trouble. And oh. So in the f- last five years, they're in the bottom third. Overall, they're the fourth most incidents. These are two teams in a row that get in trouble a lot. And yes, I've got a great player highlight here. Aqib Talib drafted... Uh, by Tampa Bay uh, in uh, 2008, first round pick, 20th pick in the draft. So we've got a little history of Aqib Tlaib here. July 2008, his career got to an inauspicious start when at the NFL Rookie Symposium, where they take all the rookies and like teach them about their life, Tlaib was involved in a <laughs> fist fight with fellow Buccaneers rookie Corey Boyd. <laughs> it's unclear who started the fight or what was at issue, but... It's already back off to a... We'll give him the benefit of the doubt, but he's off to a bad start. Getting in a fist right. fight at the rookie symposium. So let's forward one year. May 2009, Tlaib strikes teammate Tory Cox near the eye while wielding his helmet in an altercation with offensive tackle Donald Penn. So again, from my understanding, Tory Cox was trying to break up a fight he was having with offensive tackle Donald Penn, but while flailing, he poked his teammate in the eye, again, <laughs> fighting one of his teammates. August 2009, fast forward two months. Tlaib is arrested in St. Petersburg for simple battery and resisting arrest for assaulting a cab driver from the backseat of a taxi. He was drunk in the back of a cab and punched the cabbie in the side of the head with his closed fist. I'm not sure exactly why, but the cabbie was not happy with that. And then when the police came to arrest him, he resisted arrest. Hmm. Some real anger management issues here. It's a, it's a pattern developing. A pattern is developing. <laughs> in March 2011, this is his worst crime on the blotter. Police say that Tlaib pointed a 9mm handgun at the head of Shannon Billings, the live-in boyfriend of his sister, Saren Tlaib. He then attempted to pistol whip Billings before the gun was lost in a struggle, striking a fence and jamming. That's when police say Tlaib's mother, Akalo, arrived at the scene and fired several shots at Billings with a 38mm handgun. At some point, different gun, different gun than what had been different gun, multiple guns at play here. (laughs) At some point, Aqib Tlaib gained possession of his mother's gun and fired two shots at Billings, according to documents. Shooting at his the live-in boyfriend of his sister, bad. But no one, no one got hit. No one got hit, and charges were eventually dropped because the prosecution's witness was not credible. So that's just that's the prosecution's story. We don't know what happened. Charges are dropped. In October 2012, Tlaib is suspended for four games by the NFL for violating the league's substance abuse policy on uh, performance-enhancing substances. Tlaib, in a statement, said he took a single, one tiny little Adderall pill without a yeah, prescription. I mean. I'm sure that's what he was taking. At this point, the Bucks decided to cut ties with Aqib Tlaib. All that other stuff he had done, whatever. Firing shots at a, a live human being. He's a great cornerback, whatever. But taking one <laughs> Adderall pill, it's too much. He was traded to, that's right. Got to get rid of it. That's right. The New England Patriots, where he uh, had a productive career for, I think, a couple seasons. <laughs> and uh, his story isn't done. He now plays for the Broncos. And just in 2016, in the offseason, he shot himself in the leg outside of a Dallas strip club, <laughs> which he originally blamed on somebody else. He said somebody else shot him. The police investigated, and and their investigation concluded that he shot himself. In in his defense, he said he was too drunk to remember what happened. (laughs) 
So getting is, it, blackout it drunk a with a loaded gun. Testament to the NFL that that he is not the only player to shoot himself in the leg at a club. But in the last five years, it, it wasn't. Uh, you know when um, uh, who did it? The guy in uh, New York, Plexico Burris. Yeah, Plexico yeah. Burris did. He he. I think served jail time because having a firearm and discharging in New York City is like a crime on its own. Dallas, Texas, shoot yourself in the leg. Nobody gives a shit. Well, Dan, before I get my rating here, I just want to give some perspective. I did a little research of my own. I saw a news story that I thought you would find hey, interesting. Wait, wait a second, Joe. This is against the whole podcast here. I know. I know. But luckily, robbing it up the, research, the research I did, Kyle will appreciate me doing some research, but the research <laughs> I did has nothing to do with, with, with American football. I just want to give some perspective on when we talk about player misbehavior in America, it's not even as bad as it can get. This story... I like this story. Well, it's a terrible story. But Brazilian goalkeeper Bruno Fernandes de Souza. Wait, what does this have anything to do with this podcast? Listen, a two-year deal with second-tier club Boa Esporte, the team announced Monday, a month after he was released from jail for ordering the torture and murder of his ex-girlfriend, who was also the mother of his child. What? On Bruno's orders, the assailants then disposed of her body by feeding her to his dogs. And this is now someone who is signed by a professional soccer team. Okay, that's horrible. Point being, point being. So wait, American football is like, is, what an upstanding sport we've got here. Exactly, exactly. Oh, we have brain injury. <laughs> yeah, we're just talking about mild brain injury and drug abuse. And, Firing uh, bullets at somebody, <laughs> yeah. but not hitting them. Exactly. No one that I know of. Yeah, sure, dog fighting, but we're not feeding people to the dogs. Okay, Joe, Joe. Just saying, healthy dose of perspective. Okay, Tampa Bay Bucks are clearly not not good actors in that community. Um, appreciate the stories, but being that low on the list is just and they and it's like Akeem Talib is doing all this stuff, but he was really great on the field, so they're just keeping him. They're just like ah, whatever. Right, which is like the classic story with the NFL. Is yeah. that there's so much more grace given to players who are good. Like yeah. like as if Akeem Talib still playing. Impacts. He's on the I mean, who's right. who's good right. on the Broncos. Right. Um, yeah, one and a half out of ten. One and a half. Wow. Second lowest. The Broncos, who actually are the current, currently have a keep to leave. And right. Fair I enough. I might have See? even read these a keep to leave things for the crime bar. They certainly <laughs> counted towards the Broncos. So keep to leave is just lowering the score of every team he touches. Number five. Can't root for a team that Rob, yes, the great mailbag uh, uh, entry roots for. What does he have to say? What is Rob's specific part of the show? Rob complains about not being enough a part of the show. All right. So Rob puts the bunks 12th, right in the middle. Uh, well, that's not the middle. Says, it's the top third, Joe. Top third. He says, the Bucks made a bold statement with their peach swashbuckling uniforms. I'm sure we'll get to that. Their color changes, change takes away from uh, the Tampa Bay vibe that was unique to the NFL. Uh, I'm down on them for that, but... Like them because it doesn't get more underdog than the Bucks. They won a Super Bowl. What, they're more the better underdogs. Yeah, I mean, that's just according to Rob. He puts them in the top third, so we're gonna have to put them in the bottom third of my ranking. Let's say three and a half out of ten. Okay, <sighs> tough two categories for the Buckos. Mm-hmm. Number six. Is it a city? You would enjoy visiting for a game. Now, Tampa Bay, interesting factoids about Tampa Bay. This is uh, in a very political vein. 
538 recently had an article talking about the death of purple America, that uh, mm-hmm. basically all of the most populous cities in America are becoming heavily skewed, but not Tampa Bay. So in the five, <laughs> oh, and I'll just preface this, I looked up the data, I researched the county you live in, King County, Washington. Mm-hmm. If you look at the difference between the winning candidate in your county, Hillary Clinton minus the losing, Donald Trump, the difference in your county was 48%. In the county I live in, San Francisco County, the difference was 75%. So Tampa Bay, the Tampa Bay area is made up of uh, two big counties, Pinellas County and Hillsborough County. Pinellas County is number one in the country for the smallest differential, 1.1%. So uh, among the uh, top 50 counties by population. So this is a big county with tons of people, 1.1 difference. You know, essentially (laughs) half the people, Hillary Clinton, half the people, Donald Trump. And then the other county, Hillsborough County, also part of the Tampa area, was number six with a 6.8% difference. Now, Pinellas County was 1.1 towards Trump and Hillsborough County was 6.8% for Hillary. So, but still, Tampa Bay- But that actually makes the whole region- If you go to Tampa Bay, you can sort of knock (laughs) on your neighbor's door and you're getting a microcosm of like what the country is like. It reminds me of that that story arc in the show 30 Rock where there was the election and- and they realized that the entire election came down to these Floridians who were a big fan of Jenna Maroney's music. <laughs> yeah. And they like, like the entire the election handle. came down to this one group of people. And I feel like that's like the case with Tampa Bay, that it's like like all the national news, it basically comes down to what like two counties in Tampa I mean, You just decided. have to pull Tampa Bay and you'll get everything. <laughs> uh, their biggest exactly. amusement, so that's their political thing, which is very interesting. Uh, their biggest amusement by far, Bush Gardens. Big amusement park. Mm. Gotta go there. I've never been there, but I've been to an amusement park. But I'm sure, I think Bush Gardens is is probably big and amazing. And number two, the Sunshine Skyway Bridge is their number two exhibition or attraction. And it it does look like a really beautiful bridge. It's kind of got a weird thing where it's very low for a while, and then it has a huge sort of hill in the middle to create the um, place for ships to go under. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I normally if I didn't live near the most iconic bridge probably in the world uh i would rate it higher but it it's no golden gate bridge i'll say but pe- people seem to like it are you looking at a picture of it i am i'm looking at it right now yeah it's kind of a cool looking bridge it's a big attraction you can go there you can go up the bridge you can look over the side go fishing yeah. apparently but i mean like i don't know going to a city to see a bridge like what are you gonna do look at the bridge like, yes, I feel people like gotten... do look at this as a number two attraction. Yeah, you can go over the bridge. You can go under the bridge. I have just looked at some pretty bridge pictures on Google Images, and I feel like I've gotten the full bridge experience right now. <laughs> In or those are the two attractions. Well, the rest of it is the rest of it's very simple. They had the wild cats. Uh, I think their zoo is better than most. It's like the wild cat sanctuary. You know, you know it looked interesting, but I, I don't think you're going to Tampa Bay. If you're looking for uh, high culture. And is this stadium actually in Tampa Bay? I mean, Tampa Bay is sort of like a giant. I, I'm, it may or may not be in Tampa, but it's. I'm sure it's in the, the Tampa Bay metropolitan area. It's a beautiful looking bay. Yeah, I like bays. Bays are nice. Um, they're, you know, in my like top, top five of different forms of water inlets. 
So, uh, so who has that going for it? But it where uh, were look, fjords on that list? <laughs> definitely higher than five. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I have very little interest in going to Tampa. I probably will never go to Tampa in my life. Oh no. But I'm not like, I wouldn't describe myself as hostile to Tampa either. So I'm going to give them a three and a half out of 10. Okay. Above Dallas, but yep. below everything that's, else. That's right. You'd rather go to Cleveland than you would Tampa. I would. Yeah, that's accurate. Okay. I'd go Cleveland. Number seven, does the team have player players you could put on a fantasy roster? All right. Well, coming from the Jets, we've got we got some absolute studs on the Bucks. Well, we have at least one absolute stud. So we've got Jameis Winston, who is mm-hmm. the 17th best quarterback. I think he's probably owned as a backup, and he might be playable in certain matchups, but he's he's not on his own a stud. Though he, he could be up and coming. You never know. You know. Next year, he could be he could be better. He's getting better every year. But when we look at the wide receiver category, we have the number one wide receiver in the NFL, Mike Evans on the Buccaneers. 96 receptions, 1,300 yards, 12 touchdowns. He led the NFL in targets at 175. You know, there's nothing I hate more than when you have a wide receiver and you're watching the game and it's just like the quarterback's throwing to somebody else. No. For yeah, the Bucks, it's like they don't even exist. Yeah, Mike totally. Evans all the time. Led the NFL in targets. He's averaging over 10 targets a game. I mean, it, he's just, the ball's coming his way and he uh, has the points to show for it. So, And that's just the most fun, especially since... I think every league that I'm in is a PPR or at least half PPR league when you know, like, look, even if he doesn't get a touchdown or even if if this guy doesn't break away for a big play, they're just going to work him and he's going to get those points. I think he had a run where he had in a 10 game span, he had um, eight or more receptions in like eight of the games. I mean, he led the NFL target. He's just the ball's coming to him and he, he also goes deep. I mean, he's 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 just a really great receiver. And you, we, we talked about earlier in the um, coaching department how sort of Mike Evans, he had a little off year last year, how he came back. And boy, he came back this year. And, you know, next year, if you're looking for those sleeper combinations, a Winston-Mike Evans combination could really be big. It's not bad. It's not bad. And we talked about this in the Cowboys episode, how when the Cowboys have talented players, they tend to be overrated because of the national attention. Yeah. And it might be the inverse with the Bucks that they that they actually will have some players that are value because the Bucks don't get a ton of national media. I think if you ask people who the number one scoring wide receiver is, Mike Evans wouldn't even be in their top five unless they knew fantasy. They say, "Oh, Odell Beckham Jr., who by the way was also tied for number one." <laughs> but whatever, <laughs> so they wouldn't be but, really. But wrong. if you compare. Odell Beckham Jr.'s national media attention to Mike Evans, you're getting the same number of fantasy points and it's going for way less. I like that. I like that a lot. What's um, tight end Cameron Brait? He was the sixth best tight end. So basically you got Jameis Winston. He goes to Evans. He goes to Cameron Brait. So Cameron Brait, he was a touchdown monster. He had eight touchdowns, which was the most tied for the most that any tight end had. He had 660 yards which is, you know, sort of middle of the pack. But with his eight touchdowns and 660 yards, he overall was sixth best. So he's absolutely owned uh, in every team. The Bucks' defense was playable. They basically were sort of a, a boom or bust defense. They were overall 10th best, 
but they scored over 12 points six times. And in one week, they scored 25 points. So they were just, if if they had a good matchup, the Bucks defense really, you wanted to plug in. But they had times mm-hmm. where if they, you know, obviously they have to play the Falcons twice. They have to play the Panthers twice. It, You know, you're not going to start defense against the Falcons. But when they, when they were playing bad teams, they would uh, pile up the points. There's a lot of a lot of playable things here. We've got obviously number one wide receiver. We've got a quarterback who's borderline tight end. It's got to be owned by everybody in a defense that absolutely is going to be owned by people and and can put up big points. And they still have X Charger, my buddy Vincent Jackson, on the injured reserve last year, but he'll be back. Yeah, next he got year. hurt. He got hurt. All right. Uh, yeah, I think Bucks have have some good value. Um, you know, I like the players that I can get uh, for a little bit cheaper in the auction uh, and. Um, they definitely get some added points for that. I'm going to go with uh, six and a half out of ten. Six and a half. And Joe, you're well known to be great at your valuing of players. Absolutely. That's. I mean, yeah. Due to your career yeah. of thirty fantasy seasons or something and zero victories. Yeah, yeah. They call me uh, Hidden Gem Mizrahi for my uh, pension for finding hidden gems in the draft. It was last uh, year. Your big gem was Rob Gronkowski. Great. I'm the kingmaker. Great value. Uh, they say. Great value. <laughs> Joe, don't worry. It'll turn. Maybe when you pick the new team, that's what's going to unlock your excellence in fantasy. My my loyalty to the Chargers has been the only thing holding me back in fantasy. Yes. Well, now Absolutely. it's open. Okay. Moving on. Number eight. Is the owner a monster? So we've got some interesting things here. The owner is the Glazer family, formerly owned by Malcolm Glazer, but he passed away in 2014. So the team is sort of split among his children, although I don't think anybody's exactly clear which of his children are like the predominant owners and like what the percentages are. The Glazer family also owns Manchester United, as I'm sure you know. Yep, yep. They are uh, a bunch of Jews, as I put in my notes. Uh, I think Malcolm... Thank you for mentioning that, because you know how important it is Yes, to me. I think Malcolm Glazer was, I believe, a Lithuanian Jew. I think his children would be described as American Jews, if I had to be specific. <laughs> so... They own Manchester United, which I'm sure you have uh, thoughts after, but I'll get this one bit in. We In the first leg of our doubleheader, we talked about the New York Jets, who have a stadium that had the least percentage of public funding in the entire NFL, 0%. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have the highest percentage of public funding of any stadium in the National Football wow. League, 100%. The stadium was entirely funded by public money. They increased the sales tax in the county by half a percent, and uh, they had a, a few other taxes they um, put in. And the stadium, though it was built about 20 years ago and much cheaper than sort of a modern stadium, was built entirely out of the uh, the public uh, putting their hard-earned money towards it. So there you go. Good, good for the Glazers, you know. It's so interesting. A couple things. I mean, first of all, the Jewish connection is great. I feel like I'd get along with the Glazer family. On a personal level, the Man United thing is so interesting because, first of all, I don't like Man United. I'm a Spurs fan, and so uh, I naturally hate any other team competing for the top four. Yeah, take that, Kyle. You you don't know that kind of research, buddy. Yeah, about the Kyle, Premier League. That being said, it's also it's odd that like the owner of probably the most valuable team in the Premier League, though maybe like that is debatable with I think they are Chelsea and I think, other, but I think they is. still are 
and one of the most valuable sports franchises in the world owns a Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like, that's weird, right? Like that's a there's a weird dissonance there, right? Like like uh, it's not like he owns then that and the Red Sox or whatever, right? Like it's just um, it's an odd combination. Now I would like to note, based on my research, now you're the EPL guy, not me, but my research shows the Glazers are reviled in England where they think that they, the Glazers and their ownership has not been to Manchester United what sort of Manchester United deserves. They've had a rough go of it since Alex Ferguson left, for sure. I mean, this isn't a Premier League podcast, so we can go short on this, but they've had a very rough go of it in the last uh, several years. And a lot of that, um, I think people think, is on the ownership for leading the stewardship away from their long-term beloved manager and not doing that in the right way. And then also the investment in the team that you look at um, Chelsea, Spurs to some degree. But I think the thing that sticks under most Man United fans skin more than anything else is the other Manchester team, Man City, which have just had these huge investments trying to become not even, yes, they want to become Premier League champions, but really with an eye towards like, we can, we want to be competing with the Barcelona's and the Madrid's of the world. Um, and that's been, I think, the thing that is most um, upsetting to United fans is that they're, the team that used to be their like shittier crosstown rival now has much more significant investments. That's why you got to get the sheiks. That's why you need to own you. Yeah. So here you have an owner that's potentially hated on two continents. That's pretty impressive. Uh, no, look, I think I'm sort of ambivalent to the Glazer family. He was uh, in super... the likability index. He was somewhere in the middle. He yeah. was. A... I feel like he's somewhere in the middle. Um, I think he's. A, I, I think pr- he's a liberal Jew compared to our Woody Johnson. I think that the, yeah. the family invests in uh, what you would consider Jewish liberal causes. My favorite of all causes, absolutely. <laughs> um, no, I think probably I would. I would say, I would honestly probably say seven and a half out of 10, but I really do have to knock off a full point and a half for the Man United thing. Six out of 10. Six out of 10. Okay. Well, now that's just right in the middle of the rankings, but that's fine. That's fine. They're recovering points. Look, look, I have to deal with the reality that there's a chance that every dollar, if I were a Bucks fan, every dollar that I give to buy like a Bucks hat could go to them signing Harry Kane away from the Spurs. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Which would be awful. You, know, you don't want that. Blood money. No, no. He's Harry Kane. Come on. He spurs through and through. He's one of our own. You've I, I, we're just looking at the scores so far. The Bucks have no score higher than a seven. <laughs> and they're right down the middle, though, right? Well, and if we eliminate getting in trouble with the law, if we attribute the Akib to lead factor, they have no score lower than three and a half. So they're really in this narrow band of like they're not bad, <laughs> but they're not good, which might be a, a very. Uh, insightful comment about what this team is like in the uh, outskirts of uh, too bland to have a strong opinion about one way or the other rate the uniform though Rob specifically uh, called out their uniform and before I get into the uniform I'll just describe the logo they're Buccaneers Buccaneers were uh, pirates in the Caribbean during the 17th and 18th centuries unfortunately they never drank dark and stormies because the drink wasn't invented yet but they would go after Spanish merchant ships and they would plunder them and they would often they would be supported by uh, the European nations who are sort of like against Spain, like the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So they would get mm, support from yeah. the British. They would get support from the French because, hey, if you're going after the Spanish. And another interesting point is that the Buccaneers were apparently 
each individual ship was like a tiny slice of democracy. The, the main qualities on the ship that were important were liberty, equality, and fraternity. Of course, these buccaneers are like murderous pirates who are going on, taking over other right, ships and killing like people. pillaged and raped a lot of people. Yes, but among <laughs> the ships in the buccaneer camp, the captain was elected uh, by popular vote and could be deposed by the vote of the crew. The crew and not the captain decided whether to attack a particular ship or a fleet of ships. Spoils were divided evenly into shares. And then, you know, the captain would receive a, a higher share, but that was the share was agreed upon by everybody. So sort of, um, you know, a little bit of democracy on the high seas other than the part. Well, granted, you know, to, to Donald Trump's point, the U.S. is not so they clean. Were <laughs> democratically committing atrocities. Hey, hey, the U.S. has done it, too, buddy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Wonderful country, though. Don't get us wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the great host of this American football we love so much. I do like the um, the flag logo better than the dude logo, the guy with the knife in his mouth. I'm looking at the creamsicle uniforms now, which are pretty ugly. Give him credit for that. Uh, no, look, I I like the idea of a buccaneer as a um, like I. I like, and we'll get to this with the 49ers and other teams, you know, you know, in like the subgenre, you have your birds, you have your mammals, whatever. I like the historical badass yeah. as a category of mascot. And I think Buccaneers is really like right up there in the historical badass ranking. And it's a very, um, I mean, it's just a geographically, it makes sense for a Tampa Bay team. Yeah. You know, the Bucks colors are a little bit like man use colors now that I look at them. It's kind of upsetting. I think they're, I like the logo. I like the theme. Don't like really love the color, but I think overall pretty good. Six and a half out of 10. Okay. Another middle of the pack score. Sorry, let me just add one quick thing. I like team names that exist in two different leagues. Like there's the Milwaukee Bucks and the Tampa Bay Bucks, but refer to two different things. Because it reminds me of the Spurs, how there's the Tottenham Hotspur, which Spurs, but then also the San Antonio Spurs, completely different things, unrelated. Yeah, let's well, hope. It's all about what your your wacky <laughs> things that you like in a team name. I right? just like that. Yeah. I Okay, go ahead. Six and a half out of ten. Got it. Number ten. Do they play a style of play you would enjoy watching? So the Bucks are sort of middle of the pack on both. They're 18th in offense, uh, according to DVOA. They're 12th in defense. They run the ball ninth most in the league, so they they do running a little more than passing. I think they have a, a young quarterback, and I think if you're going to become a Bucks fan, you're very tied to um, Jameis Winston, and you're hoping that Jameis Winston becomes sort of a uh, you know one of the great uh, young quarterbacks in the league. Like that's that's your upside as a Bucks fan, I would say. Which, I mean, I, I like Jameis Winston as a fantasy owner, but I wouldn't say that, like, you know, he's not the most mobile quarterback in the world. Like, he's not, he's not, it, it, when I think of really, really exciting quarterbacks, just from a, a fan perspective of, like, what's fun to watch stylistically, I, I, I think he's very good and he has the potential to be very good, but it's not like he's um, wowing me with style points at all. I think the Bucks are fine. I don't, I don't think that they have a really distinctive style of play. I mean, I think, it's funny like how long impressions last that I still think of the Bucks as like a really strong defensive team from like 
back in the Warren Sapp era yeah. of the Bucks. But, but but like especially with like strong defenses, I just think that like you think about teams like the Ravens and the Bears and the Bucks, you're like, oh, these teams with these great defenses. Like, well, yeah, but that could be like a decade old. <laughs> um, but I and just it think is that a those decade old, Joe. Well, I mean, the Bucks haven't been in the national spotlight for it. They haven't made the playoffs in 10 years, so. Even more. Yeah, yeah. So Bucks no, I watched, I watched even... a few games last year. I'll tell you, Jameis Winston can make some impressive throws. I think he's a young quarterback, but yep. Um, yep. He, he's. I think he's got what it takes to be a very good quarterback. And this year was a very good year for him. And, you know, the question is, will, you know, they always said that the third year of a rookie of like a new quarterback was always a right, like really big year where you could see if they're going to make a big jump or they weren't going to make a big jump. So I think if you're a Bucks fan next year, you know, some of these teams, if you're a Jets fan, what do you have to look forward to next year? Nothing. I mean, you've got no, right. you've got no up and coming quarterback. You've got an aging defense with a bunch of aging stars. If, if you're a Bucks fan, I think you have a hope that you say, hey, next year, Jameis Winston is going to be this, he's going to make some huge jump and he's just going to start making throws. And you, we've, you've already got Mike Evans, you've got Vincent Jackson. I'm not going to say it's going to happen, but you have something to hope for, I would say. Yeah, I I think that that is one interesting thing, which isn't necessarily style of play, but it is style of like of the type of team that is just a young up and coming team. It's a type team. of team that it could be. Because as a fan, yep. that's what you're hoping for. You know, yep. I never know what the the uh, Washington Football Club's going to be next year, but this year I hoped it could be this like offensive juggernaut, and it turned out it was. They were great on offense, of course. They were absolutely dreadful on defense, but you know, the Bucks, you you've got hope, and it's sort of the most fun time to be a fan too when you're in that upward trajectory, and you have these players that you know. Maybe you know about, but the rest of the league hasn't quite caught on to yet. And you're like, oh man, I watch this guy. He's really, really good. People are going to really love him. Uh, yeah, but like, I wouldn't be surprised if the Falcons were forty to one last year. You know, it, right, it, right. You're, you're, you just catch that magic in a bottle. Could be Tampa Bay. It could be Tampa Bay this year. I think style of play. I think it's decent. I don't think it's anything mind blowing. Let's say six and a half out of ten. Okay, <laughs> it's right in line with the Tampa Bay score. Second highest so far, actually, though. I th- I've sort of talked you up on that. You did. You convinced me. Yeah, but we're still below the Cowboys, which I agree. The Cowboys are fun to watch. S- Simi, my baby, has joined us, if people can hear her. Yeah. FYI. They, they know. That's, just, that's what happens in the second half of our doubleheaders. <laughs> okay, number 11, what's interesting about this fan base. So just to get the baselines out of the way, they're... According to the Nielsen ratings are 25th in local television ratings. The academic study that described like fandom put them 24th in terms of buying merchandise for their team. Um, so they're not certainly in terms of local support. It's it's not like the Tampa Bay area is like uh, Gaga over this team. Uh, they have a giant pirate ship built into their stadium which shoots cannons when the team scores, which is pretty cool. And uh, they're one of the few teams that wears white on its home jerseys so that the opponents have to uh, swelter in their dark uniforms in the Tampa yeah, Bay Yeah, would, would do that intermittently too. It's a nice little trick. Yeah, although I'm pretty sure with modern uniform technology that doesn't work, but that's it. That's what I've got on the uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks. Tampa Bay, it, it strikes me as a, as a place that shouldn't have a team. I'm surprised. Joe, this, if you post this on the Tampa Bay Reddit, say something nice. For the Tampa Bay Redditors. That's what I mean. It's such a it's such a lovely place. Uh, you know, I, I'm 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 not surprised that that it doesn't get ratings because people are going out to look at the Skyview Bridge and the Bush Gardens. Or whatever. Joe. 
Yeah, you get, the, you get the summer pass. That's what I mean. It's just that such a such a, a city rich in culture and history doesn't need an NFL franchise. No, uh, <laughs> no, you know, I mean, I don't know. Look, I mean, does anybody outside of Tampa Bay root for Tampa Bay? Uh, one of the funny things I read was talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and it was like uh, they were like rating the fan index, and they're like. If you don't live in Tampa Bay and you root the Tampa Bay, root for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, like somebody's gonna think you have something wrong with you. Like it's just <laughs> right, such a right. strange no, team it, to root it, for. It, it would be such a strange team to root for. But if you're in Tampa Bay, like if you say I'm a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan of any other franchise, you're like oh, you're from Tampa Bay. Which, by the way, I don't even right. know where Tampa Bay was, but I saw. I now I know on the map. It's uh, it's on those sort of like like yeah, Miami is like the southern part because Miami's on the east coast of Florida. Tampa Bay is on the west coast of Florida, and Tampa Bay has like the middle section of Florida, and then uh, the whole panhandle that's like way north of there. And they're all uh, Jacksonville fans. Right. Yeah. No, I think Tampa Bay fan culture, I would feel really odd living here in Seattle. I'm sure if I looked it up, a lot of people live in Seattle. If I looked it up, there's probably Tampa Bay fan bar meetup for the game. It would feel weird. They'd all be like, oh, what part of Tampa Bay are you from? And I'd be like, oh. There's no way there's a Tampa Bay fan meetup in Seattle. Well, it, is there any place further away from Tampa Bay? I guess Miami, but what? There's no, it's like the tip, the southeastern uh, tip versus the, the northwestern tip. There is no place, there's no major city in the continental USA further away from Tampa Bay than Seattle. You can't even get a direct, direct flight to Tampa, I'm sure. No, you have to take one of those, um, uh, one of those like uh, swamp hoverboats to get there. <laughs> the land, it's got to fly under the Skyway Bridge exactly. and just land on the water. Exactly. Yeah. No. There's, but uh, that would be a weird meetup to go to. Oh, when I type up Tampa Bay fan meetup in Seattle, it's all about Seahawks fans meeting up in Tampa Bay. <laughs> 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 That's not great. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is like a three out of ten. I'm sorry, Tampa Bay. Oh, oh, almost the lowest so far. But Chargers were two. You're here. Oh. I think I, I, yeah, that's accurate. That's accurate. Okay. That's fair, though. I'm surprised, though. Now looking back, that you gave the Jets three and a half. You love tortured fan bases. I do. I felt I felt burned by the Eagles, and the and the Jets got punished. Well, it's you, the Buccaneers are already ahead of the Jets. They just needed a single point in the last two categories to overtake the Jets, which they have. Joe, <coughs> and our final category, rate the drink. Simi just sneezed again. Yeah, she sneezed. Uh, dark, and, dark and stormy. Really, really good drink. I Did you finish I yours? Am, I did. Look, Check it out. Hey, you, Joe. Putting in your work on a weekday. Other things, in addition to teams that have a... Um, a cross league equivalent in their name. Another thing I really like, I like two ingredient drinks that still taste good and like a little bit complex. It's a good drink, but rum is not my favorite. So they are going to get a six and a half out of 10. Okay. It's a middle of road drink for you for a very middle of the road team. And yet they finish with a total score of 65, which there were two teams, the Broncos and the Chargers, there were 62. So I don't know if some sort of great inflation is happening here or the Bucks are just a team that you, you really can't find a serious fall with. So they're just sort of, uh, they're, I mean, they're six and a half, six or for like everything. 
I mean, you have to give them a maybe, right? Or do you or do you want a team that's got an extreme in something? I don't think I have to give them a maybe at all, but I think it's a good question. You know, I think that that San Diego, a lot of their maybes based on the fact that they deserve to move on. Or excuse me, not San Diego. Look at that. L.A. Chargers. The L.A. Chargers. They get to move on because of my history with the team. The Broncos get to move on because they were the first like actually good team that we talked about. And I, I still think that, you know, to eliminate them would require further conversation. I think the Bucks got the score that they got by simply being not that terrible at anything. But they didn't really score highly on anything. Yeah, their highest score is seven and a half. Yeah, and that just doesn't and, seem like and, enough. And that was that's for the division, not even for them. <laughs> right. And like I said, I feel like they're my, my least favorite team in that division. So that's a boost for the other teams that, um, in the division, which I like more. I think that while the Bucks scored higher than other teams that are moving on, if I'm just being honest about, like, have they scored higher? Have they scored in the 70s? This would be a different conversation where, I, where I'd say, like, wow, I'm a little bit surprised by that score. Let's move them on. But at this point, I don't think that there's any chance that the Bucks will make it past the first round of a bracket competition of the teams that I'm uh, looking at. So I think we should just go ahead and leave the Bucks behind here. Ouch. Buckos. Abandon at sea. Sorry, Tampa Bay. Okay, but you know what, Joe? If if you want, I think it would be not fair if when we got to this bracket, if there was any team you weren't even going to consider. And look, if you don't have strong feelings for the, the Buccaneers, then ax them now. I want that bracket to be a pure, to be these pure decisions between teams you're considering. Yep, yep, absolutely. So, and look, we're getting pretty fair here. We've got four maybes and three no's among the seven teams we've covered and joe i think you won a sort of sweet 16 here so you're you're sort of honing in yeah no i think getting to a sweet 16 uh would be great but i don't want to force it either i'm going to try and react to each team on an individual basis yeah, let's, let's just make take that it decision that way and we'll just see how it goes yeah one last piece of business joe great double header great double header we have to pick the next two teams we're doing so i'm going to random.org Okay, who are we talking about next? I am putting the teams in. I'm randomizing. Wow, Joe, this is exciting. What do we have up next? We stay in the division for the first team, the defeated Super Bowl team, the Atlanta Falcons, and second, the face of all defensive players in the NFL, J.J. Watts, Houston Texans. Wow, two high-profile teams. Two high-profile Southern teams. Atlanta I think we've got the Houston. best offense in the league and probably among the best defenses in the league. I am very excited to learn about these two teams and talk about um, the Falcons, who may have done the most chargery thing possible in the Super Bowl. <laughs> let's, let's just save it for that they're episode. Like, let's just save it for that like episode. like my spirit team. Let's save it for so, the episode. We'll have... A lot to talk huge, about with the Falcons, head, I'm sure. Huge head start for the Falcons. And we have to drink some sort of Coca-Cola-based drink, Joe. Absolutely. And watch CNN. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Dan. All right, Joe. See you next time.